Hey there, this is Kristen Kiefer, and you are listening to episode number 20 of the Well-Storied Podcast, where I share tips and tricks that help writers craft sensational novels and build their very best writing lives. Can you guys believe that it is episode number 20 of the podcast already? That absolutely blows my mind, and I am so grateful to all of you for listening in. Because of that, it's actually rather fitting that we're doing such a reader and listener focused podcast episode today because we're actually doing our very first Q&A. It's the very first Q&A that I've ever done on the blog, and it's the very first Q&A that I've ever done in this podcast, Um, which is just really cool that it lined up that way to be the 20th episode so we can celebrate all of you lovely listeners who have helped uh, give this podcast a bit of life. So, what is this Q&A about, you ask? If you tuned into last week's episode of the podcast or last week's article on the blog, then you will know that this Q&A is all about crafting trilogies. Over the past several weeks, we've been doing a blog and podcast mini-series on how to craft trilogies in which we talked about the different types of trilogies, four different ways that you can plot a trilogy, um, as well as all of the different ways that you can map out your character arcs for your trilogy. And those were the major things that I wanted to talk about, the things that had the most bearing on trilogies, the things that made them the most different from just regular standalone books. So that's why we talked about crafting plot arcs and character arcs in depth on the blog and here on the podcast. However, I know that you guys had a lot of smaller, um, more individualized questions that maybe didn't really, um, couldn't really fill out a whole article or podcast episode of their own. So I decided to take all of your questions and answer them in today's article, aka the transcript for this podcast, over on the Wellstory blog as well as here in the podcast. So without any further ado, let's dive straight into today's episode of the Wellstoried podcast. Who's ready to talk trilogies? Let's dive straight into the first question I received for our Q&A session. And that is, how can I ensure that each book in my trilogy engages readers without relying on cliffhangers or other gimmicks to keep them engaged? Trilogies often suffer from saggy middle syndrome, with book two acting as filler, its sole purpose really being to connect the establishing conflict of book one to the big showdown of book three. Writers who feel pressured to write a trilogy when their story's plot really doesn't justify it often fill book two with lots of contrived conflict, ramping up meaningless drama and increasing shock factor in an attempt to keep their readers engaged until their series finale, because book two really otherwise wouldn't have much of a plot. In my opinion, if you're struggling to create a stimulating second installment for your trilogy, it's likely your story shouldn't consist of three books in the first place. Instead, consider writing a duology or a two-book series. Though they are nowhere near as popular as their three-booked companions, duologies have found their way into the limelight in recent years. So, you really needn't worry that limiting your series will somehow drive readers away from wanting to read them. Two books is a-okay, guys. That said, if your story really can't be reduced to just two books, but you're still worried about keeping readers engaged, I recommend going back to the basics. Consider the methods authors employ to create new conflict and stimulate character growth. Consider as well how each book in their trilogy ties together and what changes those authors make 
to ensure that each book in their trilogy feels fresh and exciting. There are so many ways to go about achieving these ends, which is why I can't give you direct advice. However, I do highly recommend reading as many trilogies as you can, if you plan to write your own. Study the structures and the techniques that are utilized by popular trilogy authors, and then don't hesitate to begin applying them to your own work. Question number two. How can I control my trilogy's pacing while also escalating the tension in each book? All right, so way back in 2015, I wrote an article for the Well Story to Blog about pacing, in which I described what I liked to call the pacing cycle, which is simply a sequence of external and internal events that occurs in between the major plot points of a story. So here's a quick recap of the pacing cycle. First, you have the major plot point, which is just a significant event that occurs in your story. Next up, we have the aftermath, in which the main character deals with the immediate physical and emotional consequences of that plot point. In stage number three, there is acceptance, where after handling the aftermath, accepting the consequences, the MC comes to terms with their new reality. In stage number four, we have the setup. Having accepted their present situation, the MC, which is the main character by the way, I'm just abbreviating that, your MC physically and or mentally prepares to tackle a new hurdle. In stage number five of the pacing cycle, we have suspense. Basically, tensions begin to rise as your MC moves to confront some new hurdle. Danger lurks as they prepare and things may not be as they seem or may not go to plan. But whether or not they go to plan, we come to the sixth and final stage of the pacing cycle, which is the next major plot point in your story. It's where the main character is thrust into the next major event. Sometimes a character may skip a stage in the pacing cycle, usually the acceptance stage because that creates lots of internal emotional conflict. Or you may have stages that occur simultaneously rather than one event followed by the next event. But generally speaking, this cycle of events, these internal and external consequences, recur in many cases naturally without the author even realizing it throughout an author's book. As you can see from the pacing cycle, good pacing is all about cause and effect, about events and how the physical and emotional consequences come out of them. Maintaining even pacing, solid pacing, means hitting each of these cause and effect beats over and over for each event at a solid tempo, so utilizing roughly the same number of words in between each major plot point. However, contrary to popular belief, increasing tension isn't often about increasing the pacing of your story, which is a common mistake that may uh, make many authors' climaxes seem rushed, right? You get to the climax of the story and it just feels like it's over in an instant. And that's because authors think that if they ramp up the pacing of their story, they're ramping up tension too. But rather than that, what you really want to do is increase your story's stakes. Here are a few questions you can ask yourself when trying to do this. How can my main character's motivation to take action deepen? How can I make all of my main character, all that my main character has to lose, seem even more momentous? 
and how might my antagonist pose even more of a threat to my MC's goal or their loved ones? Utilize your answers to these questions throughout your trilogy, and you will have no problem increasing the tension in each book without your pacing running amok. Let's move on to question number three. How can I foreshadow plot twists and big reveals in the first book of my trilogy? The simple answer here is planning. While it's possible to kind of accidentally drop clues along the way, or maybe to drop clues even though you don't know where they're headed yet, and then kind of figure that out as you write each book in the trilogy, you really can only rest assured that you've set up your readers for a big payoff when you purposefully craft moments of foreshadowing into your trilogy. And that means outlining your trilogy to some degree before you write. If, however, you are a diehard pantser, drafting all three books first is a possibility. Once you've discovered your trilogy's big events and reveals through drafting all three books, you can then add in those key moments of uh, key moments of foreshadowing, excuse me, during revisions. But when it comes to integrating foreshadowing in your stories, remember that subtlety is key. Your readers are smart. They don't need you leaning in and winking heavily for them to get the picture, so to speak anyway. Foreshadow with a light hand and allow readers to form their own theories about what those little foreshadowing hints might mean. At the end of the day, the worst that you can do is surprise an unsuspecting reader when you actually reveal your big plot twist or whatever big revelation your main character has. Unless you foreshadow heavily, in which case you've probably just spoiled your big reveal, right? Now to question number four. How do I know when to end one book in my trilogy and begin the next? There are many different ways to plot a trilogy, which we actually talked about in the first article, in our mini-series, as well as a few podcast episodes back, and I do recommend checking that out first. After all, you really can't know when to end an installment in your trilogy if you don't know what kind of trilogy you're writing, right? That's just kind of a cause and effect common sense there. That said, if you do know what kind of trilogy you are writing, here is a quick and dirty overview of how the books in each trilogy plot structure usually end. First, we have the trilogies that utilize an individual arc for each book in the trilogy. So if you have an individual arc for each of your trilogy's installments, knowing when to end them should be pretty simple, right? You just wrap up your arc and, if and when necessary, maybe leave a few hints at the next book to come, but wrapping them up should be pretty simple. Next, let's talk about complex arc trilogies. Though this type of trilogy has one overarching plotline, each book should end when its individual plot arc comes to a close. You may wish to spend a scene or two setting up the next book if your individual plot arc wraps up too neatly, but generally speaking, where you should end your book should be kind of obvious. Then we have the Long Arc Trilogy, which is probably the most difficult style of book, style of trilogy, to know when you should end each book in that trilogy. So, if your trilogy only features one main plot arc, choosing an ending for individual books can be kind of tough. What you want to do is look for moments when your main character is in extreme physical or emotional peril. 
you can end your book in the midst of that peril, leaving a bit of a cliffhanger between books, or you can end it just after that peril has been resolved and your character's journey is forever changed, because that will leave readers wondering, what in the world are they going to do now? Finally, let's talk about the trilogy structure in which you have two arcs, but three books. So if your trilogy's last two installments feature an overarching plotline, you'll first treat book one's ending as you would the ending of any individual arc, any standalone book. But then when you come to the end of book two, you're probably going to more closely mimic the ending of a long plot arc, which we just talked about a few moments before. Remember, look for those moments of peril and either end them during that peril or just after it. Question number five. How can I expand a standalone book into a trilogy? Okay, so oftentimes publishers will only issue a contract for the first book in a potential trilogy. If that book does well, they'll then consider commissioning the remaining two books and the writer will get to continue their story. For this reason, querying the first book in a trilogy as a standalone with trilogy potential can make your manuscript more attractive. Self-published authors, though, also have good reason to turn a standalone book into a trilogy, as producing a series is a great marketing tactic and can help expand an indie writer's career. But to understand how to expand a standalone book into a series, I recommend going back to basics again and learning about the different ways to structure your trilogy's plot. You can choose to tell an anthology trilogy, where each book can stand on its own, or you can plot according to the two arcs, three books method, or to simply continue with additional individual arcs using the same main character. If, however, you want to go the complex arcs route, in which you have an overall plot arc that takes up all three books of your series, as well as individual plot arcs for each book in the series, you're going to need to have an understanding of what your overall arc is before publishing your first book so that you can set up your overarching plotline and add in vital foreshadowing elements earlier in the trilogy. If your book then does well, you already have threads that you can pick up and begin playing around with as you continue to write your series. Question number six. Do I have to plot all three books in my trilogy before beginning to write book one? So the simple answer is it depends on what style of trilogy you're telling. If you're writing an anthology trilogy or a trilogy that features the two acts, three books, or individual arc structures, then planning all three books ahead of time isn't strictly necessary. But if you're planning a trilogy that has an overarching plotline that spans all three books, there really isn't much room to cut corners. Keep in mind that you don't have to outline your whole trilogy in depth. Just knowing the basic beats of your three-book plot arc should be fine if you're a pantser who is accustomed to filling in the gaps. Question number seven. Can I split one massive book into a trilogy? And if so, how? Yes, absolutely. If you have a manuscript that's grown far too long to be a single book, you can definitely go ahead and split it into several, whether that be a duology, a trilogy, a quartet, or even a full-blown series. Unless you plan to do major rewrites, splitting one long work into multiple will likely mean you're going to utilize the long arc plot structure for your new trilogy. 
So make sure to go back and read up on that or listen to the podcast episode a few episodes back so that you can plan accordingly and appropriately. You may also wish to check out my answer to question number four, um, which we talked about earlier, or you can check that out on the website in our transcript at well-droid.com blog in order to know when each book in your new series should end. Question number eight. How can I stay organized when working on a trilogy? My notes are so complicated. Friend, I hear you completely. I wish I had a bit of universal advice to offer on this topic, but in truth, every writer organizes their work in a different way. For me, utilizing Scrivener is absolutely essential. I store all of my character, plot, and world-building notes, as well as research and old drafts and cutscenes and so on, inside a single Scrivener file. Scrivener's binder then makes organization easy thanks to features like labeling, keywords, and corkboard view. You can check out some of my tutorials on how to use Scrivener at well-storied.com. Outside of that, I'd simply recommend keeping all of your notes in one place and organizing them often. Make sure to update your old material whenever you make changes, move old notes to a separate folder or file, and mark everything as clearly as you can. Remember, you don't have to know every detail of your trilogy when you're writing it. You just have to maintain clear notes that you can then refer back to when you get stuck. And finally, we've come to the final question, obviously, of our Q&A today, and that is question number nine. How do I know writing a trilogy is the right choice for my story? Why not a duology or a quartet? So if you are unsure of how many books should be in your series, I'd highly recommend outlining your plot and character arcs before deciding. You don't have to go in depth with this if you don't want to, just know the basic beats of your overall story. Who are your characters? What do you want them to achieve? Who are they at the beginning of the story and how do they change by the end? Do they achieve their goal? Who tries to stop them and what events occur along the way? Once you've mapped out this, these basics, look for moments of conflict or character development. When are the stakes the highest? Uh, when does your character undergo an irrevocable change? These spikes in your story will serve as early plot points, midpoints, and climactic sequences for the individual books in your trilogies. And from there, you should be able to figure out how many books you should have in your series. I said trilogy earlier. I meant series. Figuring out the length of your series may prove to be more complex than this, um, and if that's the case, I'd recommend plotting the entirety of your story in more detail and taking as much time as you need to play around with the structure. Organize your story's events as a trilogy and see how they play out. Is the pacing off? Will the word count be too high or too low for each book? Is there not enough tension to end each book at a climax? Fiddle around until you find the perfect fit. This process may make time, but it's the only way that you'll figure out if you've chosen the right number of books in which to tell your story. Whew, <laughs> that was a lot of questions. I hope I was able to quell some of your concerns about writing a trilogy, but if there's anything you'd like me to clarify or expand upon, please don't hesitate to get in touch, okay? I would also love to answer any remaining questions you may have, so make sure to head over to today's transcript at welldestroyed.com and let me know in the comments below that transcript, and I will get right back to you. 
Writers, thank you so much for listening to today's 20th episode of the Well-Storied Podcast. I hope you've enjoyed it. The Well-Storied Podcast is made possible by my lovely Patreon supporters. If you enjoyed today's episode and would like to help support future episodes, as well as every writing resource I create for Well-Storied, you can do so by visiting patreon.com slash wellstoried. That would honestly just mean the world to me to have your support. Thank you so much. Again, I would like to remind you that if you would prefer to read today's episode of the transcript, or if you just want to kind of catch certain parts of it again, see an overview of it, you can do so by looking at the transcript, which is always available at well-storied.com blog. Now, let's talk about where we are headed next with the podcast. I will, uh, of course, continue doing new podcast episodes over the weeks and hopefully months to come. However, I am excited to say that I will shortly be getting back into doing archived episodes of the podcast, where we dive into the well-storied blog archives and create new episodes from some of the articles that I've written in the past. This was something I was doing um, when I had more time earlier in the summer when I had first launched the podcast to really help build up the number of episodes that I had available to listen to. Um, And then I kind of, as the summer got busier, uh, stopped doing that because I had so much going on. But now that summer is coming down, fall is nearly upon us, I am very excited to dive right back into doing these archived episodes of the podcast. So uh, yeah, something to look forward to. Here is to many, many more episodes of the Well-Storied Podcast to come. Again, thank you guys so much for listening in. I truly appreciate it. And I can't wait to see you guys next time. Bye!